My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and minimalism enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and ethics enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets philosophy. And what it means to build a better life. Now grab a mug and join us for the Productive Brew. In the book, Homo Deesis, A Brief History of Tomorrow, Naval Noah Harari discusses human nature as an entity akin to a computer algorithm. In the past, psychologists such as Carl Jung and Freud have likened our brain to a steam engine, deleting technology of their time, as they talked about pent-up energy and letting off steam. Here, I want to talk about this idea of people as algorithms, and how this has provided me with some fruitful thoughts and tips on being more productive. Harari offers an example of what he means that all living things are algorithms. Imagine there is a monkey standing a mere 10 meters away from a bundle of bananas. The algorithm's output will be pretty obvious in this case. Monkey sees food, monkey obtains food. Now, let's add some more difficult computations. Let's say there is a lion standing 20 meters away, eyeing the monkey. The monkey must factor in its own speed, the lion's speed, and whether these bananas are truly worth risking its life. Now add the fear factor. This monkey witnessed another monkey get slain by another lion just last week. Is it worth not only death, but the gruesome suffering of its final breaths for a bunch of bananas? This primal example seems irrelevant from the environment of an office space, lecture hall, or social gathering, but we as humans compute decisions in a very similar manner constantly. We input the sound of our alarm clock, the deadlines of work projects, the touch and go of rush hour traffic jams. I think many people find this analogy inadequate or scary because humans love to believe we possess free will to change our reactions, unlike animals. I'm here to argue that, while we are largely fixed beings, our code can be rewritten with intense practice and, more importantly for this podcast, there's plenty of room to change the inputs of our environment, which will optimize a better algorithmic output. First, we are largely fixed beings. If you put your hand to the hot stove, you will flinch. Malcolm Gladwell defends this idea to the grave in his popular work, Blink, as he discusses the unconscious biases of music listening, car purchases, and more. As Gladwell puts it, there is a locked door of unconscious processes we cannot tap into, but we can control who knocks on that door by altering our environment. As a personal example, I'm a very tactile learner. I enjoy touching and holding objects and artifacts in order to learn more about them. My imagination cannot always propel my thoughts forward when simply reading a book. My executive functioning cannot always remember that thought I had earlier. And digital reminders aren't always as valuable to me as the physical. For a long time, this part of my algorithm was a crutch. If I couldn't physically write something down, I couldn't imagine or remember it. If I didn't diagram or bullet journal an outline for an essay, I would lose track of my thoughts. If a reminder to do the dishes, read before bed, or wash my laundry was not physically standing in front of me, telling me to do the thing. It often was placed on the back burner. That is, until I channeled this algorithm into my favor. In Atopic Habits, James Clear talks about the idea of making your cue obvious to catalyze a good habit. Rather than relying on memory or my executive functioning to tell me, hey, don't forget to read your book before bed, I place my book on the bed after making it in the morning. That way, my tactile algorithm sees the physical book and computes this input with the output of, interact with this physical entity by reading the book. I've upgraded my environment to enhance my algorithm in a number of tactile ways. Every night, I write down tomorrow's goals on a sticky note and place it on top of my closed laptop so that I have to touch it in the morning before I get the work started. 
I've created a permanent space for my floss and retainer to remind myself to keep up with my oral hygiene routine. I have minimalized my desk space to have nothing more than my dual monitors, my sticky notepad, and my microphone for recording to make productive habits obvious and everything else obsolete. So ask yourself, how is your algorithm naturally coded? And what can you do to optimize your outputs? Maybe you're an auditory learner and would benefit from a subscription to Audible instead of reading books. Perhaps you are naturally messy, but love your morning coffee. In that case, create a sequence of positive momentum and reward yourself by only drinking coffee after you've made your bed and tidied your room. To finish, I want to address my caveat of humans as largely fixed beings, but not entirely. In the book, Altered Traits, neuroscientists David Goleman and Richard Davidson discuss a number of studies conducted around meditation and how they change our permanent attributes and traits. One study dealt with anticipatory anxiety and post-stress. A control group of non-meditators and a group of experienced yogis were in the two groups. Each group was connected to a thermal stimulator that would create a sensation of burning without any real physical harm, while both groups showed a heightened sense of activity in the pain matrix section of their brain. After the sensation was over, the yogis immediately returned to normal levels of low stress, while the control group stress levels remained high. This experiment offers us hope for humans as algorithms. We cannot control that initial reaction to the hot stove as we've discussed, but we can permanently alter our behavior after the fact. Rather than getting overly distracted by a text message, frustrated for hours after an argument, or stuck in a rabbit hole of social media, we can recenter ourselves and change the output of our environment with meditation. Currently, I'm trying to rewrite my code by upping my executive functioning power. To do this, I do one-pointed meditations by focusing on my breath or one simple mantra throughout the practice. This allows me to stay intentional and not lose focus when bad catalysts present themselves to my algorithm. While my progress may be slow, as some yogis clock thousands of hours meditating to alter their traits, I feel myself finding flow state and dismissing distractions with more ease day by day. Although our algorithms are written from birth and upbringing, this diagnosis does not mean that we have to have a fatalistic attitude towards our beings. Instead, we must learn the inner workings of our genetic code and optimize our output by finding out how each of us can thrive as productive creatures. So the question is, how is your code written? Thank you for listening to this episode of The Productive Brew. Be sure to leave a review and any comments or thoughts you have about this episode or any episode of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Additionally, if you want this podcast delivered to you as a transcript, head over to rasproductive.com newsletter. While you're there, be sure to check out our Notion templates and Notion courses, which will be coming to you soon. For now, thank you as always, and we will see you in the next one.